spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. So the Lord said to Moses, go in and tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his hand. But Moses said to the Lord, behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am, un I am of uncircumcised lips. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. And then we skip down to 26. We're going over the genealogy and Moses felt it was important to include it, so when you have time, you can read over it. So we're beginning in verse 26. These are the Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, bring out the people of Israel from the land of Egypt by their hosts. It was they who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, about bringing out the people of Israel from Egypt this Moses and this Aaron. On the day when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, the Lord said to Moses, I am the Lord, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said to the Lord, behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? And then chapter seven, one through 13. And the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all I command you. Your brother shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my sins, signs, and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among men. Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Now Moses was 80 years old and Aaron was 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh says to you, prove yourselves by working a miracle, then, you, then yourselves by working a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, take your staff and cast it down before Pharaoh, that it may become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded Aaron. Cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their serpents their staff. Still Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we pray for Pastor Pete today 
that we will have ears to hear, that we will listen up. Father, we thank you that you want the deaf to hear, and Lord, especially the spiritually deaf during this age. So I thank you, Lord, that we will listen. We will listen up, and we will respond to what you say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. My brother Charlie, my middle brother, is the smartest man I know. And he's tied for first place among all doctors in America for being the best doctor in America, tied with my oldest brother, Chris. He holds a PhD in bioengineering from UC Berkeley, and he did his MD at UC San Francisco. He did his surgical residency at Johns Hopkins, and he was so valuable to the institution that they made him director of Johns Hopkins Vestibular Neuroengineering Laboratory. And he's also professor of otolaryngology, head and neck surgery, and biomedical engineering. His specialty is hearing restoration, cochlear implants, middle ear reconstruction, and his own breakthrough technology, creating an implant to repair balance function. He's written hundreds of scientific papers, and he's sought all over the world to speak. He's leaving soon for Moscow. Has anyone here ever experienced spinning dizziness or vertigo? Raise your hand. We need people like Charlie trying to fix this. It's the most harrowing experience I experienced it four years ago. Cheryl and Jonathan and I flew from Dulles to San Francisco, one-way trip to, to visit my mom. The flight went fine, but that evening I began to stumble and spin, and the world was upside down, and I could barely make it out of the supermarket in Berkeley to my car. I had to keep telling people I'm not on drugs. It's Berkeley, after all, so... My mom rushed over, picked me up, got me home, got my brother on the phone, and Charlie walked me through what's called the Epley Maneuver, where one sits on the edge of your bed, you look up, you turn your head at a 45-degree angle, and you lie down really fast. And I'm thinking, you're pulling my leg, Charlie. This, this is not going to help. I see your, your hearing and your balance, your internal GPS they're connected, and what can happen in your ears, in everyone's ears, are calcium carbonate deposits, or ear rocks, can form in your inner ear, and if they shake loose, they mess up their internal GPS, those channels of fluid in your inner ear. Why am I going on about all this? Well, you see, just as physically our hearing and our balance are connected, in the same way spiritually, hearing from the Lord and then having balance in our spiritual life are also interconnected. Hearing from God, being in tune with the Spirit of God, having our spiritual GPS set correctly and upright, they're connected. 
And in this morning's passage that Molly so beautifully read for us this morning, we have three examples of not listening to God resulting in wobbly, woozy shakiness. The Israelites stumbled in discouragement. Moses is spinning in distress. And Pharaoh, well, Pharaoh is so hard of hearing spiritual truth that the world is upside down in his life, but he sees it right side up. He thinks that he is a god. That's how mixed up and upside down Pharaoh is. In his great work, uh, Divine Conspiracy, Rediscovering Our Hidden Life in God, Dallas Willard writes this of people like Pharaoh. What is truly profound is thought to be stupid and trivial or worse, boring, while what is actually stupid and trivial is thought to be profound. That, Willard writes, is what it means to be flying upside down. So let's consider these three kinds of people. Let's begin with considering the Israelites, enslaved for 400 years. Moses had proclaimed good news to the children of Israel. And we read in chapter 4, verse 3, that when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, that they bowed down and worshipped. But it appears that no sooner had they stood back up again on God's promises, did they stumble and fall. Why? Why did they stumble and fall so quickly? Look at chapter 6, verse 9. They did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. These people were so beaten down, demoralized by Pharaoh's harsh treatment, requiring them now to continue with their daily quota of brick production without straw. Adding to that, their taskmasters were beating them. Add to that, they were being labeled as lazy. Their spirits were broken. I'm reading the book, Unbroken, about an American POW in a camp. He says there that the worst part of that experience was the dignity of the prisoners being stripped away. They were defeated, demoralized, and so they were unmoved by God's promises. You see, their chains prevented them from hearing the announcement of freedom. The same thing often happens when people first hear the message of salvation in Jesus Christ. Matthew 13, 19, explaining the parable of the sower. It's recorded also in Mark's gospel. Jesus said, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, Satan comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. It causes a person to become wobbly and stumble and fall. What do we learn from this? That apart from the saving work of the Holy Spirit, we're all enslaved. Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. A believer receives the Holy Spirit by hearing the message of Christ. That's Galatians 3, 2. And verse 5 
Does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not, the apostle writes. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. This means to teach us that the only, that only the Spirit of God can shake loose the rocks in our heads and loosen the chains that bind us so that we can listen up and stand and hear by faith and respond. And it took a long time for the children of Israel to hear it and for it to travel from their ears to their hearts and make them stand and walk. Next we have Moses. Poor Moses. For, for a guy who claims not to be a good public speaker, he sure has a lot to say, doesn't he? Time and time again, Moses makes an excuse of why he's not the man for God's plan. That's why we see the Lord repeating again and again all this repetition of what the plan actually is because Moses is not getting it. Look at verse 12. He complains again. The people have not listened to me. Did they listen to him once before? Didn't we just read that they listened and responded? He says, now, the people have not listened to me. How will Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. He's not talking about uh, plastic surgery or liposuction. He's talking about being uh, unqualified for this calling. It would be like having a music director who's tone deaf. He's saying, I, I'm not qualified to carry forth this mission. Now Moses is pretty shaky at this point. And he's in danger of spinning out of control. He's not listening up. Fear is getting the better of him. The Washington Post came out with a survey uh, last year of the worst fears of Americans. What are the, the top, I think, 20 fears that Americans have? This survey was, was widespread. Do you know what number one was on the list of, of things we fear the most? Public speaking. Public speaking was number one. Number two, snakes. Uh, my fear didn't even break the top ten. Number 11, clowns. Freaks me out. Public speaking. Oh, no, I, I, I tell you that. But number two was heights, and number three were snakes. Now, there, there are no clowns in Exodus, although Pharaoh's kind of clownish. But all the other three are here. Public speaking, there's the heights. Moses has to go up that mountain to talk to the Lord. And there's certainly snakes in this passage. So they're all there. So we should give Moses a, a, a little bit of, uh, of patience. But what is his problem? Specifically, what is the problem that's causing Moses to fear and to stumble and fall down? He's not listening. Listen. He's not listening to God's expectations. Moses had his own set of expectations of being a hero of this mission. The reason I think Moses had the wrong expectations was because he misunderstood his calling as a prophet. I see Moses early on in his mission as being a pragmatist. He is a performance-based approach to ministry. You see, Moses assumes that it's all up to him to get results. So when the people 
listen to him as they did in chapter 4. He's high-fiving his brother. He's excited. He's on top of the world. He's doing his job. When they stop listening, he wants to quit. And he's forgotten that there's been any success. Everything is failure. He has a performance-based approach to ministry. And this explains why Moses was always worrying about whether the people would listen to him or if Pharaoh was going to listen to him. The problem with this approach to ministry is that genuine spiritual results are always beyond our control. Let me say that again. To our ministry leaders, to our elders, let me preach it to myself. This approach to ministry does not work because spiritual results are always beyond my control, our control. The prophet is not responsible for the way the people respond to the message, but only for getting the message right. 7-2, God says, you shall speak all that I commanded you, period. Nothing added, nothing edited. As long as Moses and Aaron communicate God's message accurately and they're faithful to their calling, whatever the outcome, that's what's meant to be. Even failure. Even failure with, with Pharaoh. God says, do this thing faithfully and you will fail. How would you like to be called to that kind of ministry? Work hard, do what I call you to do, and know that you're going to fail. Now, I don't mean to gloss over the genealogy of Moses and Aaron in verses 14 to 25. God has lists of names throughout the Bible, and they're there for a good reason. Uh, This one shows the historical accuracy that that the people of Israel were enslaved for 400 years, It also adds legitimacy that these are the brothers. It isn't some other Moses or Aaron. These are the two that were called and chosen by God to do a mission. As for me and as for every pastor of Nielsville before or since, we are not responsible for results but for being faithful. I'll tell you a quick story about my friend J.C. I mentioned him last week, I think. He's a, a pastor of a church plant that meets down at Regal Cinema. They're coming up on their one-year anniversary. Very charismatic guy. Very charismatic church. Full gospel uh, church. Uh, speaking in tongues. The, the, the works of the Spirit kind of church. And he and I have, are forming this neat friendship and encouraging uh, relationship. And I guess I'm the older one of the two, so I guess he looks up to me. I'm also towering over him. In height. We checked in uh, last week. Uh, he said, how was your Sunday morning? I said, you know, with all that snow, actually, it, it was fantastic. We had people come, and I heard testimonies of breakthroughs in people's lives, spiritual breakthroughs that had happened, testimonies uh, after service and between services. And he got this broad smile across his face, and he said, you know, we prayed for your church. Now, this is a church plant with very different uh, stripes of, than a Presbyterian church. Their focus, laser focus, is to get people in the door and come to go church. But for the first time, J.C. turned their attention to another church, a little Presbyterian church up on the hill. And the Spirit of God moved here 
last week. J.C. was faithful to his calling not to see any results in his own church. Chapter 7, 1 and 2. The Lord said to Moses, I have made you like God to Pharaoh. God's being absolutely clear about the prophetic authority that Moses has. And your, you, your brother shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. And they actually start doing it. You see all the examples of Moses said what he was meant to say, and Aaron did what he was meant to do. Now, if the Israelites stumbled for lack of listening, and Moses was spinning and wobbly and unnerved by a lack of the results, Pharaoh, well, what do you think of Pharaoh? He's a piece of work. He's got the whole world upside down in his head. He is completely deaf to the warning signs. It's all just noise to him, and he cannot hear no matter what they say or do. The great confrontation in Exodus wasn't just a dispute between Moses and Pharaoh or Israel and Egypt, but a battle between God and Satan. It is an invisible war that wages on today for the souls of every human being. It is a battle between good and evil, heaven and hell. Can't wait until spring finally arrives when all the snow melts because one thing Jonathan and I love to do is go bike riding in the neighborhood. And there's one particular neighbor who has a couple of vicious dogs that they allow out of the house. And they always come charging at us on the bike trail, ready to unleash their, their pugs. But they're very scary pugs. They come right up to the edge of the, the bikeway, but they stop instantly because they have that invisible fence. Well, that's the nature of this spiritual warfare that's happening. Satan is lashing out, showing his things, but the Lord has him on a leash. And so we see here a scene of powers clashing. And you'll recall that we talked about the, the powerful symbol of the snake in Egyptian religion and politics. And the staff that Aaron is carrying turns into a snake. Pharaoh's response? He yawns. He could care less. He's not impressed. He calls out his own magician hacks, these clever illusionists with their snake charming and their sleight of hand parlor tricks. The Bible says they use secret arts, uh, demonic spells, incantations. What's going to happen? Who will be stronger, this one snake or all these other snakes that suddenly appear? Well, Aaron and Moses' snake swallow up all the rest in one gulp. Eventually, God made a believer out of Pharaoh. But not on that day. And not a believer as in repenting of being a slave owner or a baby killer. No, God made a believer out of Pharaoh by force. But by then, it was too late. This is the warning of the gospel. Listen up while you still can. And this is a message that Jesus delivered time and time again throughout the Gospels. In Luke chapter 16, he tells the story of the rich man and Lazarus. 
and how the rich man treated Lazarus so badly here on earth until they, they died. And then judgment comes upon the rich man who goes to Hades and Lazarus who goes to the bosom of Abraham in heaven. And the rich man who's found that it's too late to repent says at the end, please warn my brothers. And the kicker is verse 31. If they do not hear Moses and the prophets that you're to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If they will not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. In other words, John Piper writes, God has already provided ample information and evidence about the necessity of love and the danger of judgment. He is not obligated or obliged to give any more than what he has already given in the scriptures of the Old Testament. If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Pharaoh was falling upside down, tumbling in this world, but with no GPS, with no sense of hearing or balance, he thought he was standing upright. But we have heard and believed that Jesus was raised from the dead. That death is swallowed up with one gulp in victory. 1 Corinthians 15, 55. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the application. Verse 58. Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord you labor not in vain. So friends, listen up to the Lord. Get the rocks out of your head. Keep your balance. Don't be discouraged or insecure. The Lord's strong hand is holding you up. Listen up. Jesus Christ has swallowed up the enemy. Let us pray. So, Lord, may that be true. Help us, Lord, to listen up, to hear you. Lord, to understand the calling you have in our life. And, Lord, call upon us that we may be men and women of faith who are ambassadors of good news. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.